the solutions do exist. You know, at the difference of some sectors where you need to work on green hydrogen or changing energy sources, which is difficult technically. In buildings, the solutions do exist. Are you ready to be the change you want to see in the world? Are you ready to make choices that have a positive impact on your daily life, your community, and the planet? You are in the right place. I'm Anne-Therese Gennari. And I'm Robin Shaw. And this is the Hate Change Podcast. Hello, everyone. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Hey Change and welcome to 2022. I cannot believe it's yet another year. Hi, Robin. Hi, Antares. I'm so excited to welcome in this new year. Um, my feeling for releasing 2021 was a hug and roll, which is a friend's reference where you give someone uh, that you're snuggling with a nice big hug and then you roll them away so that you have the space to sleep well. <laughs> so that that's is how I'm me. moving into this new year. <laughs> that is me every single night. It's like I'm not a cuddler at night. Like I need my space. I need to be cool. My husband is the opposite. He's like, can I hold you? I'm like, 30 seconds. <laughs> so like, you need to go watch yeah. that Friends episode about the hug and roll because Ross goes into great detail about how to do it and how to do it wrong. So... <laughs> I love it. The hug and roll. Well, it yeah. feels like now I, I've justified my way of being. It's it's out of love. You know, it's about creating space. and. Yes, absolutely. I'm feeling that too. I've been really feeling moving into this new year, how to balance both receiving and being really open and receptive to the things that are coming towards me, as well as how do I create more boundaries? How do I create more space for myself? Because I think I've grown up wanting to please other people. And, and that's been a large part of how I identify as like a people pleaser and, and helping people. And you got to put your mask on before you help others, as they say, when you fly, like, I am really taking that to heart this year. Yeah. And I feel like it's such an important reminder that we can be there for other people and we can share of our love while also setting boundaries. You know, yeah. it's like, we don't always have to give as soon as someone is asking for it. Um, and sometimes it takes some conversation on, in figuring out how we're different. Some people need a lot of, you know, close interaction and touching and talking to someone every single day. And for other people who might be more introverts and need more space, that looks completely different. Um, mm -hmm. But it's by being true to one another, but also to ourselves, where we can actually create more love, not just to other people, but to ourselves yes. um, and have more abundance all around. It feels like that. It feels like this time that we're in now, I'm definitely feeling that vibe of, of really moving into our truth, stepping closer mm. to our truth. Um, as you've moved into the new year, do you have any intentions going into 2022? Well, I actually ended up creating a 10 weeks of climate optimism, which is a 10 week challenge that anyone can, can take. I'm inviting you who's listening right now, if you haven't already, to subscribe to my newsletter because I send out a new challenge every Sunday and will for the next... 10 weeks. Um, and yes. as I was creating these 10 steps, I was like, these are really smart things that I need to be doing too. <laughs> so <laughs> it's a lot more about um, the first challenge was actually about slowing down and that a lot of climate activism is about doing less, which is something we talk a lot about on this show and have talked to a lot about with, with previous guests. And for me, I'm really trying to 
practice that this year. It's about not always jumping to the first conclusion or not always getting frustrated as soon as something happens that we didn't think mm -hmm. would happen or, you know, like slowing down and allowing ourselves to to take a deep breath and to reassess the situation and um, be more intentional in everything we do. That's something I want to take with me this year. That and actually, which is completely opposite, but action. I feel like the, the last two <laughs> years were so much reflecting and like shedding and get going deeper. And this year, I'm just ready for it. I just want to do things. Yeah, it's such a beautiful balance. I remember when I started to learn about sustainability with you and you were talking so much about slowing down and I like didn't quite get it. It really took me some time to sit with how important slowing down that, you know, there's that quote, you can't consume your way to a better world. And on the one hand, individual action is absolutely important. There are lots of things that we can do that support ourselves and the planet that on the individual level that I think are very valuable. But that slowing down is such a key piece of how we're going to heal our world. Um, the intention that I'm moving into this year with Justin and I, so our little update is Justin and I are in Costa Rica right now with our whole family. So my mom, my, my dad and my stepfather and our son are here. And, uh, so we're very excited to be opening up this new chapter of spending a significant amount of time in Costa Rica and, um, really striving for a lifestyle that we've been talking about for a long time. But as we were landing in Costa Rica, Justin and I did some intentions to move into the new year with. And what came to mind for me after a little meditation was the word wholeness. And I've realized that, you know, I modeled for 15 years and it, it became this thing for me of like, I always felt lacking. I was always the short model or my hips were too big or I didn't have the right clothes or whatever it was. There was always this thing of lack. And that is a part of our economy. You know, in order for people to feel motivated to buy things, you have to tell them that they're missing something in order to buy that thing. And so this sense of lack is what I'm ready to let go of. And moving into the new year with wholeness, I'm really coming back to that every day of I am whole. And how can I be in wholeness with myself? How can I act from wholeness? How can I think and, and hold that as a framework of how do I move through the world in wholeness? And one of the realizations I had is wholeness is an act of resistance. Mm. So that's what I'm moving into this new year with is, is a real vibration of wholeness. And a wholeness vibration brings in abundance. It brings in peace. It brings in ease. And as we strive to create a world that is just and fair and equitable and sustainable and regenerative, this wholeness mentality is, it feels very important to me right now. So that's what I'm hoping to hold for myself and then extend that out into the world. And as she's saying that, she's like literally extending her arms in front of her with a smile. <laughs> I wish you could all see her. Um, I am so happy for you that you guys finally arrived in Costa Rica. The one thing, the last thing I'll say is that I exited 2021 really having learned what patience means. Um, we were looking for a new home. Um, it, technically, the whole, whole, all of COVID, we were trying to figure out where we were going to live next. But definitely the past summer, we were really going looking in New York City for an apartment. And had I told myself in July that I would still not be moved in by New Year's Eve, I would have completely just lost it, right? So for me, it's been just like faith and trusting uh, and understanding a process that took much longer than I ever thought 
possible. Um, and we thought for sure we were going to spend Christmas in our new home, and we w didn't. However, we are very soon to move in, hopefully this week or next. So I'm very excited. But I think for me, it was just yet another reminder that I have everything I need. Um, I have love, I have family, and sometimes life doesn't turn out the way you think it will. And it's in those moments, how do we return back to, you know, to, um, to, 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 uh, to base camp and just ask ourselves, okay, well, what do we have? And what is there to celebrate? And how can we continue to strengthen our belief and our faith moving forward? And I think that's such a beautiful reminder, too, for our climate movement, because there's going to be a lot of frustration and disappointment if we keep thinking that one thing will happen and then it doesn't. So how do we keep coming back to finding that new courage, that new curiosity and the new will to keep moving forward? Definitely. And the building that you moved into, too, I mean, it, it's such a reminder to me of how everything happens at its own pace because, you know, you've, you've been so ready to move into your new space, whatever that may be, and now you found the perfect building for you. Do you want to tell everyone a little bit about it? Yes, it's kind of magical because... You, you can always look and something looks great on paper that you don't know until you move in. And what happens when you buy a co-op in New York City, which is a very specific process, um, you actually buy a share in a building. And at some point, you need to have an interview with a, with a co-op board for, to have them actually approve that you can move in. It's kind of weird. But anyways, when we were talking to the board, we realized why we had fallen in love with this particular place. Because it turns out they're super eco. Um, a previous board member made sure that seven years ago, they updated all their energy efficiency in the building. So they have like a 94% score, which is pretty high for a pre-war building in New York. Um, they have a composting system in the building that they fought for to get back after COVID restrictions. And so they're super eco, super forward thinking and has a huge community. And for me, that means so much more than anything else. And I'm really, really excited. And like of all the buildings of all of New York City that you could find. Yeah. Do you know what I, I mean? Know. Like that's the thing about how things take the time that they need to take. And only in hindsight can we see why that mm -hmm. was the journey to get there. But it's just such an example to me of like, you've been talking about this for a year and now here you are actually getting ready to move in and it happens to be exactly the building that you need to move into. Yes, and when that hit me during the interview, I remember feeling goosebumps. I'm like, this is why it took so freaking long because this is where yeah. I'm supposed to live and it just all makes sense now. So patience is virtue. about going into Costa Rica for like 10 years. Like Jess and I have been talking about it since we've gotten together. It's taken over We've been together for 13 years. It's taken 13 years for us to get to this point where we're now spending several months in Costa Rica with our family in a big, beautiful house overlooking the mountains. That's been a 13-year journey. So whatever journey you are on, our listeners, please know that the things that you want to have in your life are coming. They just unfold in their own time. So keep going. And they come to you when you're ready for it. And many times mm -hmm. there's work to be done so that you can actually fully receive that. That's something mm -hmm. I've truly learned from all the things in life. I feel like I'm so old when I say this, but <laughs> you know, I do feel like I've been through a lot. So yes, definitely keep going, keep coming back to faith. Uh, ask yourself, what is the truth that I'm looking for and how do I want to feel? I think that's something that's key for me too. It's that, like mm -hmm. you said, the feeling of wholeness. And when we act from a place of wholeness and we act from a feeling, we start to just see right like what's right in front of our eyes and from there we keep manifesting more and striving for the for the things that will make us feel like that so mm -hmm. it's not just some magical thinking of like oh i'll think about this and it's going to come to my life it's like no you're actually paying attention to the steps that will take you to the life that you want to live and the world that we want to mm -hmm. have so 
and the journey is the the journey is the juice you think that the destination is the juice but really the journey is the juice yeah yeah and I guess that takes us to our guest today, because believe it or not, we yes. do have a guest, <laughs> although I would like to just sit and talk to you for hours. Um, but <laughs> this guest is a pretty amazing one. I'm very stoked to have him on our podcast and to open this year with um, Benoit Bazin. Actually, it's pretty timely, um, especially what we just talked about, because this episode is all about cities and how to rethink life in cities and the construction of cities and how people live in cities moving forward. And there's a lot of, you know, if you want to nerd out about this, there's a lot to find about it because, um, as you may know, buildings have a huge environmental impact and um, cities in general have a lot of buildings and a lot of transportation. So there are a huge carbon footprint in general. And so how, how we think about cities and how we start to redesign them is critical if we are to create a sustainable and climate just world. And so Benoit Bazin is the current CEO of Saint-Gobain. It's a French company and one of the top 10 oldest corporations in the world. And they also aspire to be a worldwide leader in sustainable construction. The company was first founded in 1665 by the French king's wow. minister Colbert. I know it's crazy. Uh, with the intention to get France ahead of the mirror making business. Because back then, only Italy was making mirrors and everyone wanted them. So they were like, no, we need to make our own mirrors. And so they asked. Interesting. Yeah, it was uh, initiated by uh, the king's minister. And so the company was founded in 1665 and then ended up producing all the glass for the hall of mirrors in the palace of Versailles. So if you've ever been to that palace, I have actually, it's gorgeous. Uh, there's the hall of mirrors and all that glass came from Saint-Gobain. Wow. Yeah. I was amazed to learn that they have over 167,000 employees spanning 110 different nationalities and industrial operations in no less than 70 countries. Saint-Gobain is a company we want with us on this sustainability ride. You currently find their windows in Le Louvre, the Statue of Liberty, the Whitney Museum, and other impressive buildings around the world. I had the pleasure of sitting down with Benoit Bazin in his hotel lobby during his stay in New York City a couple of months ago, and it was a very fun and fascinating conversation. I personally am so interested in this transition to green, smart, and sustainable cities, and have done actually quite a deep dive into this topic myself in the past year, so it was truly an honor to speak with him. And I think you're going to learn a lot from this conversation, hopefully spark some interest yourself in how we can rethink the future of cities, and if you want to learn more, make sure to head over to theclimateoptimist.com, find the podcast in this particular episode page, and you can nerd out more about smart cities, Saint-Gobain, and what we can all do to help transition our world into a more green, sustainable, safe, thriving, abundant, beautiful world that we're all aiming for. Benoit, it's an absolute pleasure and excitement to be here with you today and talk about what I find to be probably the most exciting topic of our time, the future of cities. So first of all, welcome to Hey Change. Thank you. Thank you, Anthony. And before we dive in, I want to give a little bit of background because this is such a fascinating story so the listeners can be on the same page as us. But you are the CEO of Saint-Gobain, uh, one of the top 10 oldest corporations in the world. It was founded in 1665 by French King's minister Colbert, 
Um, I don't know if I say his name right. But the company was initiated to get France ahead of the mirror making business because back then mirrors started to become a real luxury product and very popular, but they were only produced in Venice, Italy. And so, of course, France wanted to be independent in this game. So Saint-Cobain, as a business, was launched to make mirrors. And in 1678, the company actually produced the glass for the famous Hall of Mirrors in Palace of Versailles. Is that correct? Is this correct? Yeah, absolutely. That was our first main project and we are still very proud about that. And then we went international pretty fast. You know, in the mid 19th century, we went to Germany, then Italy and Spain by the end of the 19th century. We have been in Brazil for now more than eight years uh, in the US since uh, 1950. So Sangama has you know, become a, a very international group early on. And that's also the way we have uh, reinvented ourselves to go through three centuries and even more and still be there and a large corporation around the world with 70 countries today. I mean, centuries, most companies can't say that. They, they're proud about decades, so this is pretty cool. Uh, and although I would love to dive into all the history because I can nerd out about that, um, I really want to talk about the future because you are really fueling um, the future, which is so exciting. So can you give us some insight into what you guys are doing at San Coban to offer low carbon and energy efficient solutions for buildings and for cities around the world? And also, what led you into this space? You know, our strategy is to be the worldwide leader on light and sustainable construction. So we provide materials services in order to work predominantly on the what we call the building envelope. When you have a good building envelope, you can save two-thirds of the CO2 emissions for the buildings. And you may know that buildings around the world, they make 40% of the CO2 emissions, the greenhouse, greenhouse gases. And when you work on that, you know, you can decarbonize construction, public, private buildings. This is our business. And we have 90% of our sales which are towards sustainable construction around the world in 70 countries. Such an important mission. Uh, I feel like it's something we don't really think about when we talk about climate change. We talk about you know, driving less, traveling less, eating less meat, cutting down plastic, all these things. But we very rarely talk about the impact of cities. But in fact, I think cities speak for 80% of the total global greenhouse gas emissions. And of course, that includes some of the driving and eating and people living in the cities. But buildings themselves, as you said, speak for 40%. Correct, yeah, 40% of the global CO2 emissions. Um, so, yes, we are big on uh, construction for cities and we have to accommodate in the next 30 years 2 billion more population in the cities. So, indeed, making sustainable cities, good buildings, sustainable buildings in the cities is a big request in order to go towards carbon neutrality. And today you have more than 120 countries which are committed to reach carbon neutrality by 2050. And of course, they need to work on their buildings and the cities. It's quite a challenge. <laughs> and first of all, I feel like, you know, the first idea we get might be like, well, we should all just leave cities and move into the countryside, but that's not going to happen, right? And in fact, the trends we're looking at is that people will move into cities. And right now, I think 55, about 55, half of global population live in cities. And that number is expected to go up to over two-thirds um, by 2050. So cities aren't going anywhere, but they also already exist and may not be very sustainable today. So that's a huge challenge. How do we even go about that? 
it's a big challenge on energy efficiency for buildings in the cities, also on air quality. We learned about that during the COVID pandemic and the lockdown. So uh, in the 19th century, we worked on water supply and good water supply in the cities. Now we have to work a lot on air quality. So that means also green mobility. That means public transportation in the big cities. So a lot of initiatives, not only for buildings, but overall a sustainable environment in the cities. And I think that's what makes it so exciting for me because it's not just about, okay, now we have to sacrifice what we love in order to make them green and sustainable. It actually is about improving lives in the cities as well. And I think we don't, I mean, I just started doing this, but when you start to envision what a future city could look like, um, you know, the opportunities are endless. Do you want to maybe paint a picture of what a future city could look like? Because it's more about it's about more than just bringing nature into cities. Cities is about designing it in a way where you know life and infrastructure and transportation is streamlined and enable people to have simpler, more valuable lives, but with a lesser impact on the climate. So, what can that look like? I think it's a combination of several factors with less transportation, so that your office could be closer to your home with a cultural offer also in the cities, with a sports accommodation. So I think we have to design the cities with a stronger proximity, uh, finally, for the people to live in and uh, to have more local connections. Uh, you have also some big initiatives in Europe. If I take Stockholm, Stockholm decided to be carbon neutral by 2030. So I think the mayor of the big cities around the world can make a big change. They can decide to renovate an eco suburb in their city. So they, they have a big impact. And therefore, when they drive a full environment in their city, it drives all the actors on the construction sector, which is a very fragmented supply chain to work together, architects, builders, building materials, manufacturers like Saint-Gobain, to design an eco-friendly area within the cities. It sounds like something that a lot of stakeholders have to come together and do, though, because it's a challenge, right? Yes, and we have to design it up front together. For instance, if I take uh, circular economy, we can do a lot to recycle materials. We at saint we manufacture glass, glass wheel insulation, plasterboard. All those products can be recycled 100%. But of course, you need to design the buildings up front with lightweight materials that you can recycle, that you can demolish and bring back uh, to the loop. And all that, the more upfront you work on those initiatives, the better you can accommodate circular economy, which is a big thing. If I think of uh, the lightweight construction, you can save 50% of the raw materials weight in the buildings and therefore less CO2, less transport cost, easier to recycle. So it's a lot of new ways of building also in the cities. And I feel like as an individual, we keep hearing that it's aside from the fact that we need to waste less and cut down on some consumption, that solar, like in, like installing solar is a big way that we can uh, complement to our positive carbon footprint. Um, but also we need to think about isolation and insulation um, and how we actually prepare our buildings to be more resilient, right? Um, and so it's obviously about enhancing your life quality inside your home, but at the same time, you're saving on a lot of carbon. Am I right? Absolutely. And you know, we at Saint-Gobain, we have 72% of our total sales, total turnover, so that's a $50 billion company, which are providing sustainable impact, either for the planet on CO2 
savings and also for the well-being of the habitants. It could be thermal comfort, but also acoustic comfort, which is very important in the big cities. You know, if you think of the big cities of India, China, not only air quality, but also acoustic, you know, peaceful environment is very important. It's true also for the public buildings, a school, You know, when you are a teacher, you want to have a good acoustic environment so that you don't have to shout and the kids will learn better. So there are many, you know, impactful solutions for the well-being of the habitants. And this is what we aim at with our solutions at Saint-Gobain. Not only selling products, but selling a complete solution. Again, a package for renovation of a school. We have catalogs for schools in Europe on how to provide good climate protection on CO2 energy efficiency, but also a good acoustic environment for the teachers and for the kids. So we are moving towards more and more complete systems and solutions for smart buildings. So exciting. I, I'm someone who's very sensitive to noise. <laughs> It can really just hit me the wrong way. Um, but I actually learned that after um, air pollution, noise pollution is the, I think, biggest killer in the world. Um, and so it's something to really think about. And noise in cities, it's, you know, it's not a joke. So that's a really good point. Um, but we are in New York City right now. Fantastic city, if I'm right to say so. Paris also wonderful. But um, love New York City. But we are in a place where there's a lot of very old buildings, a lot of very new buildings, even yet to be finished. So needless to say, a lot of energy consumption and a lot of impact from climate standpoint. So what do we do here like how do we take something that might be wrong today and you know transform it into the city of tomorrow i think there are many initiatives of course renovation is a big thing renovation in new york of, of buildings for better energy efficiency less air conditioning during the summer which is you know a big topic in in new york if i take just europe as an example we double the renovation rate of buildings so i think we should accelerate that also in new york city Now, of course, when we built new building right away with the right standards in terms of efficiency, in terms of acoustic, in terms of air quality, in terms also of the visual light, you know, in a, in a working environment, good visual light is extremely helpful in terms of productivity of everyone. So that's something to take into, into consideration. And then work also on the mobility. I was pleased that over the last decade, you know, you see much more bikes in New York, a bit like in Amsterdam. You have a lot of bikes. So I think, you know, green mobility, biking, public transportation is of the essence in the big cities for tomorrow. Do you think there's, um, is, is, you know, is there a certain component where like the city might ban um, cars and vehicles in certain parts of the city to further enhance or push this movement towards green transportation? I think so. We are getting there in Paris. You know, it's much more difficult to drive a car in Paris, but public transportation is very efficient. And to some extent, Paris is a smaller city in terms of size. So yes, I think we are getting back to pedestrian. You know, I was happy during the COVID that you could walk in a city and hear the birds. We never heard the birds, except in Central Park, which is a fantastic park. But I think bringing nature in the inner part of the cities, having a bit more peaceful pedestrian environment, a bit more biking, a bit more public transportation. I think there are many, many initiatives to accommodate, I think, a better you know, quality of life in the cities. If you don't mind, because this is my favorite topic, how we bring nature into cities. Um, and when I kind of dream and envision myself a different future, I see a lot of greenery in cities. So 
Can you just talk a little bit on and give some examples maybe of what that looks like? Because it's not about having animals roaming the streets. That's not what we're talking about. But like, how do we implement nature in city, cities and why is that important? I think it's to respect some areas where you have a park where people could, uh, you know, walk their dog and uh, jog or things like that. It's also sometimes bringing nature in the buildings. If I take the new Saint-Gobain headquarters in La Défense, which is the business center in Paris, we have uh, each floor, we have some trees. We have a private terrace where people can, uh, you know, the employees of Saint-Gobain can make their work on their emails, can chat, uh, eat their sandwich, and we have a tree at each floor on the terrace. So it's not big nature, but it's a relation to nature which is more peaceful and respectful. So I think there are many, many ways where we can incorporate nature. You have a lot of uh, roofs now in the US with nature on, on the top of the roof. So I think there are many initiatives. You have a lot of architects working on that. Uh, so I think a lot of creativity towards more nature in the cities going forward. Yes, and also in terms of microclimates, by introducing nature, uh, it gets the air gets more moist, so it's cooler in the summer and actually warmer in the winter time, um, and it's just better air all altogether. Um, so there's such a simple solution, in my opinion, like oh, we have a rooftop that's empty, let's plant some trees, right? And like that can really enhance the climate in that particular area. Um, One example also I didn't mention is that you know in in France we have a lot of uh, billiards merchant outlets. In Paris, we use a lot of boats to deliver the materials on the Seine River. I'm sure that we can do more of that on the Hudson, it's a big river. So why not delivering more by the river rather than trucks getting in the city? So I think there are many, many ways, of course, working with green trucks, you know, electrical vehicles. So many of the initiatives that we can promote and which are happening in a lot of cities going forward. Very exciting. For me, when I think about the challenge, it's actually like, the fact that we have to choose change and proactively work towards you know improvement although it may not seem like on the surface that we have to you know if you walk around a city like paris or new york or stockholm any city in the world you might be amazed by the infrastructure and like how it's actually you know existing because it's like wow look at all these buildings and they all have heat and electricity and water like what an incredible place that we created but then we have to look beyond that and say well what's the city of tomorrow so i think the challenge is looking at something that on the surface looks perfect but knowing that it's not and so like choosing to actively improve something that may not seem like it needs improving if i'm making sense um and i know that saint Coban is really understanding this and that's so exciting but you're only one piece of the puzzle so how do we include all the stakeholders how do we get people from across the spectrum so governments companies citizens as well excited about really propelling this transformation you know i've been impressed by all the moves that the private sectors have been uh, promoting you know i was at the cop 26 in glasgow some weeks ago and there are a lot of initiatives from corporations like like Sangba. we have been using for instance internal carbon price since 2016 we made a pledge for carbon neutrality by 2050 two years ago so the private sector is pushing a lot of initiatives I see that a lot of the talents we hire, we retain, they are very much into climate change, sustainability, and be very serious about it. The investor community also, the finance uh, community, is uh, pushing this agenda. So to some extent, I think the private sector should weigh and is weighing on the agenda of the government to accelerate on uh, sustainability commitment, measuring the progress. So I think it's a lot of education. 
it's a lot of edu you know investment on, on the private sector side which is ahead of to some extent the public sector but we are making good progress so I'm optimistic good and so you work a lot on the the circularity of the whole industry um, and it might be such a I don't know for me it's a very overwhelming thought even to think about because like I'm trying to be circular with my small plastic containers at home but in terms of buildings that's a whole different story right so it like what, how big is that challenge how do we you know restore or uh, improve a building and making sure that we can implement that building material into something new circular economy is possible within buildings and also one point I want to ma mention is that you know sustainability we know how to create a passive building less energy uh, consumption than in the past so all the solutions exist to work on co2 in buildings we just have to roll them out fast on circular economy for instance in france we have 130 waste collection points around the country and indeed you need to sort out the materials on the job site when you demolish a building you need to sort out sometimes we have seven big bags at the job site for PVC, for aluminum, for glass, for gypsum, plasterboards, for plastic. So you need to organize the filière on how to recycle the materials. And after that, we use the input again in our uh, manufacturing. We can recycle 100% uh, glass wool insulation. Today, we are at 70%. We launched the first net zero carbon plasterboard plant in Norway using hydraulic power and recycled gypsum. So there are a lot of initiatives. It's a lot of education of the craftsmen, how to demolish, organize it on the job site. So we are getting there. It's important that the governments prohibit landfilling, because if you ask for a high price on landfilling, if you prohibit landfilling, that will accelerate the transition to circular economy. And also we have to speak the common language of what means life cycle analysis within building materials between the supplier, the architect, the big contractors, if we talk all the same language, that will help accelerating in the right direction. So what I'm really hearing is that we have the solutions, we just have to tap into them, and we need to find the right incentives. And that could be uh, like a double-edged sword, where one incentive is like, you will get punished if you do the wrong thing. At the same time, there's a lot of, you know, carrot on the other end of, you know, opportunities and, and you know, improvements of life if we are to do the right thing. Um, and I keep coming back to this too. I feel like it's down to the willpower of people to want to do the right thing. And I think that's awakening. People are feeling more stressed and more anxious about what's going to happen if we don't do anything. But that's why it's so exciting to talk to you because you say that we have the solutions, we know what to do. It's just about putting it into a system and, and executing that. Absolutely. And you know, th there is a clear renewed building usage for everyone around the planet after the COVID because it was the place to be safe the place to educate the kids when the schools were closed to work from home so there is a renewed building usage and it's time to make it sustainable uh, we know the solutions do exist so we just have to roll them out either from the initiatives of the individuals or from uh, standards pushed by the government for instance in the uk or in france now you are not going to be allowed to rent to sell your place your apartment your house if it's not above a minimum grade of energy efficiency so that makes renovation of buildings um, happening. So that's the way to push up the building standards. And I'm sure we'll see more of that around the world. That's really cool. Um, since you mentioned COVID, have you seen 
an opportunity, of, like a shift of opportunity since the pandemic in terms of, you know, like, do you at St. Goban think of this as like, this is our moment to like, kind of like wedge yourself in and, and create space for um, cities to emerge? We have been working on it for years and years before the COVID, but clearly the COVID accelerated the trend, accelerated the trend again for a good home to be safe, to feel good, uh, to work from home an acceleration also on uh, renovation towards energy efficiency. No one is challenging anymore the climate change. Frankly, around the world, you know, all the countries committed towards that. 120 countries want to reach uh, carbon neutrality. Even India, it by 2070, but it's a, it's a major step for a large country uh, like India to commit to carbon neutrality. So I think there is a, a clear acceleration of the mindset and COVID, in that sense, helped in, in, in this acceleration phase. The silver lining. So for anyone's listening who is not working at a big company, just an individual, but that really wants to help propel this movement, may just be doing some home renovations or own a home or have an apartment they're renting. Um, how should they think about the circularity of, of buildings and construction? Well, the first order of magnitude to make a positive impact is the billing envelope. So clearly working on your glazing for the windows, on the insulation of the walls, of the roof, of the floor, this is by far the largest impact, positive impact you can make on the planet. And then if you move towards lightweight construction, you can use a lot of materials that are easy to recycle. If you think of plasterboard, if you think of glass wood insulation, if you think of glass, then of course you need to ask your craftsmen to sort out the materials, to organize the loop. On, on this recycling, but it's, it's possible. Technically, it's possible, and we do a lot of that in many countries. Awesome. So a little bit of extra work, but so worth it because you will feel like a hero saving the planet. So as the CEO of a large and very old company, what do you want to contribute? Like, what's your big mission personally? No, I don't pretend to save the planet uh, just <laughs> thanks to, to Sangban, but clearly we want to contribute to it. You know, our strategic vision is worldwide leadership on light and sustainable construction. We have launched a strategic plan, which is grow and impact, because we think we are totally convinced our solutions have a positive impact. And the more positive the impact, the higher the growth will be, because our solutions will be asked by the individuals, by the contractors, by the you know, building owners. So that's grow and impact. And the more we'll grow, the higher the impact. So clearly, we want to contribute to make um, you know, a better planet. The purpose of Saint-Gobain is making the world a better home. So for me, I want to drive you know, all the construction sector. We want to set the tone to be the reference in terms of organizing the value chain, very fragmented between the architects, the craftsmen, the distributors, organize all this to drive towards this sustainable construction agenda. I'm very much convinced that we need to stick to the 1.5 degrees trajectory, otherwise it will get out of control. This is our commitment within Sangba. We have a science-based target initiative towards carbon neutrality by 2050. Uh, we are educating the craftsmen in Europe, around the world. We are promoting our solutions, not only in the US or in Europe, but also in Vietnam, in China. You know, in Indonesia, in Brazil, in Argentina, so also in the emerging countries, because those solutions do exist and they can take place around the world. And there is a, can tell you, there is a fantastic dynamic from the teams of Sangba because they want to make an impact. They are driving, they are pushing me also to accelerate the impact. And, and that's a very high level of engagement, uh, having this strong purpose and the grow and impact strategy to 
make our contribution for the sustainable planet. Wow, I wish more companies, more companies might be thinking that way soon. But thank you so much for that. And I feel like, I mean, it's pretty obvious. This is an investment that needs to happen uh, across the globe or else we will not reach the 1.5 and the, the, the sort of you know damage um, that we're going to have to pay for later is going to be much bigger, right? So it's a well-done investment right now. Exactly, and the solutions do exist. You know, the difference of some sectors where you need to work on green hydrogen or changing energy sources, which is difficult technically, in buildings, the solutions do exist. And we just have to roll them out fast, educate all the value chain, be exemplary on our side. This is why on our manufacturing footprint, we want to be carbon neutral by 2050. And we have very clear roadmap country by country. Uh, all the business outcome of Sangoma is to minimize our footprint and maximize the impact. So the solutions do exist. It's up to all of us as citizens of the world to implement them as fast as we can. I think of a future city where I walk down the street and there's music and people talking, you hear the birds and the air feels fresh and all that noise of cars and trains and honking is just gone because we don't use that anymore. And it's a very healthy, happy, exciting place to live. And two thirds of the population will be living there and they'll be thriving in terms of health and community um, and also economy. So I'm very excited about the future of cities and I know that you are as well. Thank you so much for your work. One question that we love to end our conversations with is, are you a climate optimist? And if so, why or why not? I'm definitely a climate optimist because I see a lot of initiatives from NGOs, from associations, from the society, you know, civil society, a lot from the private sector. Some governments also are pushing for it. So there is a huge amount of initiatives, energy, in the buildings, which again is the largest uh, solution, you know, to reduce CO2 emissions, the solutions do exist. So we are pushing, striving for it. It will happen. We have already some good examples of uh, eco-friendly cities, eco-friendly suburbs around the planet. Uh, the new young generation is very eager to accelerate, to push for it, to take the train, not the, not the plane. So a lot of initiatives take place and I'm definitely a climate optimistic and will work hard to make it happen. Thank you for joining us for another episode of the Hey Change podcast. If you'd like to support the show, please share this episode with friends, family, or someone in your network. Also, don't forget to give it five stars in the app so that we can reach more listeners just like you. We love hearing from our listeners, so please tag us when you share this episode on social media. We'd love to connect with you and learn about what you are doing too. You can find where to reach us in the show notes. Before you go, we'd like to invite you to pause and to leave you with this one final question. What does being an optimist in action mean to you?